Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Let's uh, get on the uh, Mark Spain Real Estate hotline here. Check in with our buddy John Bryce. He'll be on with us here in just a second. Looks like we got Bryce now. JB, what in the world's going on with you on this beautiful day? Y'all got snow up in South Bend yet? We do, actually. Um, it snowed all weekend, and so we had a uh, snow-covered ground until actually this morning. So um, it was Ooh. it snowed enough to make pretty much everything white for two or three days. So, um, yes, you are you are correct. And now today it's maybe in the 50s, but it's supposed to be back down into the 30s or 20s this weekend. Do you like that great white north living, or do you miss being down here in God's country where we don't see as much of that infernal stuff? <laughs> you know, um, I don't mm. mind the fact that there's a real winter here. Um, I, I hate the fact that I feel like we don't get much of a spring or a fall. It just sort of We've had snow literally, I think, uh, my first year up here, we had like 13 inches of snow on the 23rd of April. So um, we, we've had snow as late as April and as early as October. Um, so we get a summer and we obviously get a winter, but we don't get much in the way of spring or fall. So uh, Tennessee is God's country and uh, Big Sky country is God's country as well. There you go, John Bryce, uh, South Bend resident, uh, works for Football Scoop, longtime Tennessee guy uh, living in the state of Tennessee, at John D. Bryce 1 on Twitter. So let's get into this. I know there's a lot of, of coaching changes already, and we were joking about this in the first segment. It's like everybody said, well, let's just go ahead and do it now and get ahead of the curve. Nobody's even ahead of the curve anymore because so many people have already parted company with their coach. Yeah, I think it's a dozen already at the uh, football bowl subdivision level, Mickey. And obviously, um, the very first Power 5 domino to fall was Southern Cal. You had LSU right after that. Then you had Texas uh, Tech and TCU mm. both right after that. Now Virginia Tech, Washington, Washington State. So it's not just that um, MAC teams or Conference USA or whatever are already making changes, but the big boys are making changes. And here's the overarching reason why. Well, first of all, Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech and Clay Helton at Southern Cal went into this season in must-win situations, and Helton's team stumbled early. Fuente's team uh, was completely inconsistent, especially after opening the season with a win against then number 10 North Carolina. But timing is of the essence. It's never been more important uh, to have your coach hired really by the first weekend of December for two reasons, the early signing period on December 15th, Mm -hmm. but the transfer portal. And so in talking with coaches uh, literally as recently as this morning, um, they've emphasized the fact that people are paying attention, especially coaches are paying attention because Programs that are waiting to make their move are putting people so far behind in 2022. So as crazy it is to seem to say uh, with two plus weeks of the regular season left, plus conference championship games and everything else, if you if you think you're going to make a move, you have to make it now or you're already behind. Oh, man, John Bryce, our guest here on Blaine and Mickey. Well, you know me. John, I, I want to hear who's on the list. And I don't want to hear the normal candidates that already have SEC jobs for another job. I, I'm not very big on that. But, I mean, like, TCU, USC, where, what direction are they going? Two really good programs. Yeah, they are two really good programs. Look, I think uh, when you look at USC, I believe Luke Fickle has been at the absolute very tip-top of their list for a really long time. I think James Franklin has tremendous interest in that job uh, and would like to be <laughs> further up on Southern Cal's list, just to be honest with you. But I don't think that – 
um, they're at James Franklin right now. I still think it's uh, very strongly Luke Fickle at the top of the list. Obviously, we've seen uh, Dave Aranda's name start to circulate there some this week, but I talked to a former uh, USC staffer late last night, and I just said, you understand it. You worked out there for quite a while. You know the lay of the land. What do you make of Dave Aranda? And this staffer said to me, has he done enough to earn a USC yet? And that's a, that's a very valid question because until a month ago, um, USC fans would have been absolutely livid, um, even though they're not particularly vocal. Um, they would have been absolutely livid if, if Dave Aranda had been the name floated. So um, I still think you could see a Dan Quinn in the mix at Southern Cal. He's one that uh, football people I trust a lot. Uh, have referenced him to me. He obviously led the Falcons to a Super Bowl berth and a subsequent meltdown, um, but he's got a lot of football bona fides and is extremely gifted from an organizational standpoint. So that's a couple there. I think, um, you know, Lane Kiffin continues to be mentioned at LSU. I believe in that. I think that, um, you know, the Jimbo Fisher chatter has been persistent. Lincoln Riley is certainly another name that's been very persistent with LSU. Um, these are critical hires, especially for those two programs, um, for where they're trying to go and trying to regain their footing because you look at Texas A&M, if, if they keep Jimbo, um, and he's been pretty strong with his comments this week, they may have the number one recruiting class in America, and they're the only team to, to beat Alabama in the regular season uh, this year or last. And so he seems to have things going relatively well there. LSU is two years removed from a national championship, but is completely nosedive. And they've got off the field issues as well there with the Title IX investigation, among other things. So all of those things are critical components for these programs because there's so much riding on it. What we talked about at the very onset of this visit, the timeline being so expedited, um, is really critical. You can't hire a coach in January right now and think that you can have a chance for um, a noticeable uptick of success uh, in fall of 2022 with the way everything is moving. Mm. Well, with uh, John Bryce Football School, I have to ask a question. I really love the way uh, Luke Fickle coaches. He's been in the Midwest his entire career, and I know there's a connection with the AD there at USC uh, and their relationship, I think, when he was at Cincinnati. But how much is it going to take to get a guy like Luke Vickle to go out west? And is it feasible to, how much you're going to have to pay him to get him to leave, uh, knowing that he's recruited mostly in the Midwest, South, and there have you? Yeah, you know, the thing with Luke Fickle is that I believe he could go anywhere and be successful. I just think that, you know, his home is the Midwest, and that's mm -hmm. what he prefers. But the guy's got NFL ties. He's got the work at Ohio State, which is a national and global brand. He's made Cincinnati a bit of a national brand. Um, I mean, let's be real. Yeah. Cincinnati's not getting invited to the Big 12 if not for the work that Luke Fickle has done in that football program the last four years. And so uh, I think because of that, you know, his Midwestern roots are able to transition nationwide. Uh, he makes a very nice salary at Cincinnati, but here, here's another thought that I would say to consider and that um, I had other college football people um, either reach out and text me or when I asked them about it this week, they agreed. That is, Cincinnati's undefeated. It's 10-0, and 0, and it needs a whole lot of help to get into the college football playoff. Luke Fickle, is, by those people who know him best, is an extreme competitor, and if he feels like he doesn't have a legitimate path to the 
college football playoff at Cincinnati, he has to look at a job like USC where not only you're in a Power Five conference, but you're in a Power Five conference with probably the highest concentration of Division One talent within a 50-mile radius of anywhere other than maybe Miami or Dallas. So you're in one of the three best talent-rich areas in the country. You don't have to really recruit outside of your state, and if you do, you just sort of cherry-pick guys that you want. And there's so much upside with that job, and there's a path. When I've talked to coaches, and they've looked at the USC roster and looked what could happen with the transfer portal and look what could happen in recruiting, there are coaches who obviously know a lot more than me that believe USC, with the right hire, could be a playoff participant by 2022 or no later than 2023 if they get the right hire and they get things set in motion. Well, what's going on with Dan Mullen there, uh, John? Uh, we went with John Price uh, with the football scoop uh, with Dan Mullen. Now he's he's now he needs to hire a DC. I mean, who was wants to take the job when the coach is really on the line and losing his job, man? What's going on there? Yeah, it's um, there's a lot of dysfunction there. I talked to some Florida reporters this week who just said it, it's really bad. Um, there's a, a certainly a sense of can Dan Mullen save it? Is it too far gone? It reminds me a little bit of the end of the uh, Derek Dooley era in Knoxville minus the success because Derek didn't have the success that that Mullen has had early on at Florida. But much like the end of the Ed Orgeron tenure uh, in LSU, Dan Mullen has been terrible since his team peaked at at number six in the college football playoff rankings around uh, Thanksgiving of 2020. And since then, um, they're a below 500 team. They obviously just gave up a record-setting performance against the Sanford team that um, has its own coach, you know, trying to secure his job and, and push that program in the right direction moving forward. So it's a real disaster in, in Gainesville, and it's probably, after speaking with reporters down there this week, even a little worse than, than maybe some of us thought. Um, there's not a lot of uh, – I think, I think Dan Mullen has the absolute support of his AD, Scott Strickland, uh, but he has to come up with a plan that shows he's not going to only fix his coaching staff, but he's also going to address the, the roster and upgrade it as well. Mm-hmm. well John Bryce uh, with Football School. Let's say that this it doesn't happen or they lose, you know, whatever the magic number is to pull the trigger on Mullen. We had this discussion yesterday. Do you think Lane Kiffin is their first call if they have an opening? I think he's certainly a priority call for Florida. Um, I don't think in speaking with people that um, Lane Kiffin would be Scott Strickland's first choice from just a compatibility standpoint for their working relationship. Um, There were people who wondered how Scott Strickland and Lane Kiffin would get along. I would also point to the fact that um, depending on how things shake out at Florida, and I think there's a real chance the Gators can lose at Missouri this weekend. um, Another program in that state may be making a move, and that is certainly the Miami Hurricanes with Manny Diaz. There's a huge outcry there. And I'll tell you guys right now, I would expect two people to be very high on Miami's list, aside from Mario Cristobal, and that is Lane Kiffin and Deion Sanders. Um, Deion Sanders has real support from former Miami Hurricanes players for that job. And I think Deion Sanders would have some interest. And Deion Sanders really impressed folks with his interview last week with TCU even though he had to conduct that Zoom interview from a hospital bed. His name is coming up everywhere, Bryce. And it's funny, when he got hired, um, 
a lot of people were like, this is a joke. This isn't real. He's not really going to do it. And he's, I mean, he's not only fully committed, but this rascal may wind up at a power five, as you're saying, very soon. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I think Dion has reached out and, and counseled with some of the absolute top coaches in, in college football about how to navigate this and how to handle this. And I ultimately think that TCU has their guy and they'll stick to someone with uh, really, really deep Texas ties. But I think that um, Dion presented a very valid program plan and has a method that he wants to attack from recruiting and staff building and all of those things. And look, at a place like Miami where the financial resources are not there, you need somebody with the sizzle. And um, certainly – Dion has that with his presence, with his, his podcast and the um, documentary crew that follows him around and just sort of his persona. And certainly Lane Kiffin is very savvy in that regard as well. And once again, there are certainly detractions about that job. But when we talk to coaches, they all want to win. And Miami, with that talent base right around it and being in an ACC that suddenly doesn't even look like Clemson is the kingpin anymore, there's a real path to national relevance sooner rather than later. And I think coaches are looking at that. It's funny you say that because the average college football fan would think that Miami was just swimming in money and resources. And that was the first thing you talked about was how they don't necessarily have the most resources. I think that's hard for the average college football fan to believe. Yeah, well, it's a a small school. It's a private school. Um, They've had leadership that has not prioritize athletics. Obviously, they just fired their AD this week, Blake James, so there's uh, uncertainty there at the top. And, um, again, they have not been swimming in money or resources because it hasn't been a priority. A lot of times they've won strictly because of coaching and talent and not because of having the nicest building or the nicest place to play their games or being cutting edge with nutrition or any of those things. Um, They've won because, again, they can almost sign an entire class um, in a 60-mile radius of their campus. Unbelievable. John Bryce just bringing the knowledge and the funk today here on Blaine and Mickey. Well, I had to ask you one more one coaching question. That is Virginia Tech. I know you mentioned them, but who's on their list? Because that's a, that's a really good program, and you just got to find the right guy, the right fit. Yeah, um, I think Billy Napier uh, is very, very high on their list, very tall on their list. Um, I would say Jamie Chadwell is also on that list. Of course, those are a couple of coaches that have found success at a group of five programs who are also both Tennessee natives and have been um, on a steadily ascending coaching star in recent seasons. Um, Napier sustained it at the D1 level, at the FBS level, a little bit longer than Chadwell, but Chadwell's got – playoff experience from his time at Charleston Southern and at the NCAA Division II level. So I think Chadwell and Napier are big-time targets for Virginia Tech. I wouldn't rule out a guy like Notre Dame defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman. He's absolutely going to be a head coach. Um, If not quite this cycle, I think it would be the next cycle. Um, But I think it's important to remember that even an Illinois program, I'm told, reached out to him last year about being its head coach. There were a couple of other programs that kicked the tires on, on potentially looking at Marcus Freeman as their head coach a year ago. Um, he's been a Broyles Award semifinalist. Um, he's really polished. He's got the Ohio State pedigree. He's been with Fickle. Now he's been with Brian Kelly. Um, I think he's got a great plan and a great system. And um, depending on what other ACC jobs open up, and, and I don't think Virginia Tech and Miami will be the only two, um, I think you could see Marcus Freeman again mentioned with some other ACC jobs that I believe may be opening in the next uh, week or two. 
Well, John, this is a name that's interesting because he has a job and it's in the Big Ten, but he's done such a fascinating job. I, I just think his name is going to pop up here, and that even though he's moved the last two years, and that is Mel Tucker. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that to maybe LSU? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, look, we, we wrote about this last Friday. Michigan State is trying uh, its best to secure Mel Tucker and, and trying to keep Mel Tucker and get him locked in long term. He's absolutely been a person of interest uh, at LSU. I would not discount um, Mel Tucker with the LSU job at this point in time. LSU obviously pays a lot more. Mel Tucker has a great contract and a great salary at, at Michigan State, um, but what he's done there has truly been historic. First coach in program history to ever win his first two games against Michigan. He's already recruited all over the South in previous stops. He's worked under Nick Saban. He's been at Georgia with Kirby Smart. Um, he was a finalist for the Tennessee job a few years ago when Philip Fulmer instead hired Jeremy Pruitt. He was really the number two fallback guy when you talk to people that were very close to that search. So um, he's a guy that has done phenomenal work. Look at how far Colorado has fallen since he left and he had the competitive in one year. Look at how far Michigan State has come since he arrived. He gets the organizational part of it. He gets the recruiting part of it. And he just has a a demeanor and a persona about him that I think really makes his guys play hard for him. I guess lastly, uh, thoughts on the college football uh, <clears throat> playoff rankings and then uh, when we're going to have this issue with the expansion in the playoffs, are they ever going to bring that back up again? <laughs> yeah, um, I think that the goal now, uh, talking to people that um, have, have met with committee members and met with the, the playoff expansion committee, um, they're looking at trying to have it in place by 2024. They want it to be 12 teams. I think they're not quite to the point of having a unanimous vote on 12 teams and that's what they want it to be um, but I would look for that to if they're going to move it forward I think it's going to be 2024 and it will be 12 teams that's their that's their driving goal as for the current playoff rankings I've used one word to describe this college season I'll continue to use it it's chaos um, it, it's absolutely chaos in those rankings it's been chaos on the field um, and I'm telling you like the rest of the country is queasy about the thought of Alabama finding a way to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game because I'm, those two teams would absolutely be in the playoffs. And then you're talking about just two slots instead of three slots for arguably the deepest field of legitimate teams that could contend they deserve in the playoff that we've ever seen. So this season is absolutely um, an IV for the expand the playoff crowd. <laughs> They're going to start cramping. <laughs> uh, John, great stuff, man. Just, oh my gosh, there's so much stuff. I appreciate the knowledge. People need to follow you at John D. Bryce one on Twitter. They need to uh, constantly check football scoop for updates because we are in silly season for coaches already. And you guys are on top of all of it. Thank you, brother. Thanks a lot. The carousel is spinning and always got to give a shout out to a couple of my loyal Nashville friends and, and devoted listeners of your show. My guy V love. And, of course, my boy Hibbs. So, appreciate those guys tuning in. Of course, Great. always. Uh, Bryce, thank you, man. We'll talk again soon. He's, he, he mic dropped. Yeah. He gave a shout-out, so yeah. drop the mic. All right, when we come back, Kyle's player – or not Kyle. Ooh. Oh, that's one of the calls, too, our listeners. Yeah. Yes, Kyle. Blaine Bishop's player of the week from two weeks ago was exiled, but he's back. Titans making moves. We'll tell you about it next. Oh, that hurt my heart. (laughs) 
a day on your calendar in 2022 that you need to circle. It's because Pecorino's jersey is getting retired. Here it is.